Hello and welcome to ABW Live. Uh, this is the post Burnley game. It's a game that feels like a loss, um, but it was only a one-all draw. And to help us through, work out what kind of went on and maybe answer some of the questions we've got to some of the biggest questions in football, like what is a handball? And is there an agenda against Arsenal? And why are we so shit? And that person is John today. Say hello, John. Hello, John. Oh, just, yeah, I'm so confused. (laughs) What the fuck is going on? Yeah, uh, you and me both. I think everybody that I've seen, we've got a couple of people in the chat box. I think uh, Phil Macker's in there, Waffles, uh, Super Califragilistic XB Arcidocious, uh, Daryl Kane, Dave Cox, um, and 235. 100 all in there. Stefan Selby. Sky's in there. Oh, yeah. It's a. Where do we start, John? Uh, I suppose we start with the lineups, right? Because there's mm. there's one wild card in there. Yeah. Um, so obviously, always complaints about the lineup before the start of the game. Mm. Um, I saw Willian in there and there was no Pepe or Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe didn't even make the squad today. Um, I didn't have a big issue with that. I thought, considering it's Burnley, how deep they normally sit, there's not a lot of space in behind. This felt like the kind of game where Pepe or uh, Martinelli would be better coming on from the bench when maybe the game's a bit more stretched and there's more space. So that was fine. Um, I guess the the big sort of surprise was Callum Chambers at right back, which for me was a nice one. I was, I was pleased to see it. Um, the logic for me on that one, uh, I don't think it's a negative against Bellerin or Cedric. I think they've both been fine uh, when they've played right back the season. I think it's more Burnley are good from set pieces. We know they're an aerial threat. Callum Chambers adds a bit to that. Um, and he's he basically, you know, can play as a centre-back. So, yeah, I, um, I was happy to see him in the team and I thought he was probably one of our better players on the day, considering, well, it wasn't hard to be one of our better <laughs> players on the day, to be fair. Yeah, I think if we uh, ignore the goal we conceded, I think there's certainly a candidate for man of the match um, prior to that moment anyway. Mm. But we started well, I think. Um, As I say, like you, Callum Chambers was a bit of a wild card for me coming into the sides. Um, But when you kind of saw him slot in, you could see what we were kind of playing at. Burnley liked to smash the ball out to that kind of flank. And we know that, Cedric and Bellerin are both not great in the air. And you've got Chambers there who is a better option, knows how to play right back. And I thought he slotted in well today, to be honest. But yeah, we started well. Um, got that early goal as well. We're through a Bamiang. What did you kind of make of that? Uh, another assist for Willian? Yeah, another... Another assist, although I keep pe- seeing people redefine what an assist is. If the if the player that scores the goal takes more than a certain number of touches, then it doesn't count anymore. <laughs> I think that might be more of a Willian agenda. No, yeah. it was a really nice play. It was like, you play out from the back, Xhaka and Partey, really, really good together. They very quickly, of all our sort of centre-mid pairings, seem to have developed an understanding um, and seem to be able to trust sort of blind passes Ball from Partey into Willian is excellent. Really cuts through Burnley and opens up the space. But it's also about Willian's movement. He, he comes in off that left flank. He takes up a really, really good position where he can receive the ball and turn with it and immediately run at the uh, Burnley defence and get them on the back foot. Um, so the, the actual build-up was really, really nice. Smooth, quick play, very fluid. The pitch was horrible today, so it was bobbling about all over the place, which actually I don't I don't think it particularly helped Burnley either. Uh, to be fair, because I know they do like to pump it, but they do occasionally play on the floor. Um, but then it's just about Abamyang, who seems to have, he's found his form back. Um, he picks up that position he likes from the left-hand side, runs into the box, a couple of good step-overs, and I thought at the time, oh, he's going to go far post, sort of Henri-esque, like we've seen him do plenty of times, but he checks back in near post. Pope's probably a little bit disappointed because he does get a hand to it. Mm-hmm. But he hits it hard enough, and it's it's a really good goal. But it's a nice teamwork goal up to that point, and you you're giving it to the man in your team who you're giving the big contract to and all the money, and all we want him to do is score goals. And at the moment, he's doing it, um, so I don't really have any problem with that. Um, so yeah, r- really nice goal. And I thought because we got it so early, I was like, 
okay, we look pretty comfortable. Um, score, really comfortable goal. I thought, yeah, we'll probably get another one. Maybe might have to wait 20, 30 minutes for a second goal and should cruise through the game how wrong I was. Yeah, um, because we, we continued to make chances after that. I remember Abamyang having another chance. Mm. Saka being through on goal a couple of times, I think. Yeah. Hindsight being 2020 puts that through the legs of Pope rather than tries to slide it into the corner. Yeah. Um, because I think the option was there. Um but then I suppose how long can we continue going through the first half until we have to mention Burnley's goal? It's really difficult because this game is very weird because it's sort of broken up into sections. It's not even first half, yeah. second half. It's it's first half, we didn't actually have tons of the ball it wasn't like we're 80 percent possession but every time we got it we looked like we could score yeah um i think you can forgive a bamiang not scoring that second one where Lowton sort of miscontrols mm. it and it falls to a bamiang on his left foot and he reacts maybe a li- he could be a little bit quicker on his toes but it, it's it's a half chance for me saka was probably the easier like goal scoring opportunities yeah. but up to the point of burnley's goal we could have been three nil up i think it's yeah i think so as well I think yeah. one question, like a, a small, like nuanced part of the game was how Nick Pope ended up getting a free kick when he heads the ball out. Because that's yeah. a great ball up the line from Jacker, And he picks out a Bamiang. It's a foot race in there. Pope comes in, wins it with his head, miles outside of his box. Mm. And next thing I see, he's taking a free kick. Yeah, there, and I, there is some, I mean, the decisions mm. by the referee and the fourth officials and VAR and stuff in this game yeah. is obviously going to be the big talking point. But yeah, up until Burnley scored, we looked comfortable. We didn't seem troubled when Burnley had the ball. They weren't creating, they weren't making Leno make any sort of saves or anything. We are getting blocks in, challenges. And up to that point, uh, this is the horrible bit. Granite Jacker, I thought, was probably our best player on the pitch. I... <laughs> I would agree that it's between him and Partey for who yeah. was our kind of man of the match at the beginning of that game yeah. because he is spreading the ball around. He is finding passes left, right and centre. Uh, you know, he's got that wand of a left foot that he mm. can pick out a man when he wants and you could still see that through the second half. But yeah. you have that problem. That So, should we talk through it? Um I think it's a ball back to Leno from what, Pablo Mari? Yeah. And then Leno's given this option. And we've seen Leno have plenty of options before. We've seen him play out from the back. Jack is calling for the ball, makes a run Mm. into the box. Leno plays that ball to him. He's immediately closed down because a Burnley player is following him and he goes to knock it out to David Louise on his weak foot. And Chris Wood's just standing in his way and hips it into the goal. Um, yeah, it's, yeah and I, I mean, it's if you look at if you look at it completely isolated, it looks like if you didn't watch the sort of the full play of it, it looks like Jack has got the ball and mm. just kicks it straight at Wood, and Wood just sort of tries to get his body in a way and deflects it in. Mm. I mean, it's more of his stomach than anything else, yeah. and it's a really poor pass with his wrong foot. Um, I think if you roll roll the whole play back to where Mari's got the ball, mm. I don't know that he needs to go to Leno at that time or Leno needs to give him a shout but maybe he shouldn't be receiving it there but you get that for me is a, it's a small error but it's still part of it Leno then obviously gets the call from Jacker and he's called for the ball so Leno's going to pass it but he's got he can see the whole pitch mm. he can see the player closing him down he knows which side Jacker is going to receive the ball now if he switched it and he's playing it back out to Marie then Leno could probably play the pass and it's on to Jacker's left foot and he's mm probably much more comfortable with the pass. Um, I don't think the blame is all on Jacker, despite the fact he's the one, obviously, he's ended up, he's going to get all the stick for it, sadly. I, and by the way, I've got no problem with people criticising Jacker. It was really stupid and it was terrible football. You know, you should be able to, even if it is your wrong foot, if you have to just, just sort of lump it up in the air or even concede yeah. a corner, do that. Um, but Leno's definitely a part in fault to that. I, I don't like the position David Luiz takes up either. He doesn't really give Xhaka that great an option um, and Marie as well in, in that whole play. So for me, it's it's the two centre-backs, a goalkeeper and Xhaka. They all, they're all at four at varying levels for me in that. And it was the only way at that point in the game that Burnley were going to get back into it because they just weren't mm. causing us any problems at all. 
No, it was completely fortunate, as we kind of say, that it's one little press that causes Xhaka to take a couple of touches. I, mean, I think he has to take a couple of touches anyway because he controls it with his left to put it onto his right to then play it out to Louise. And you can see why I do that. You know, you're in the box. You're not going to try and control the ball with your weak foot. I don't think any professional player in that kind of position, back to goal. They know they've got a man on their back. They're not going to take any chances with that first touch. Problem is that first touch and then subsequent second touch completely screws him. And as you say, if Xhaka comes a little higher, uh, sorry, Louise comes a little higher, maybe Xhaka can get it on his left foot, outside the foot, outside the boot, and just get it over yeah. the top to him. And But as you say, there's, there's plenty of people that I think are being excused of the blame as well as are being too heavily criticised, yeah, um, for their part to play. I, I it. think I think it's fairly spread between, you know, Jacker and Leno, the two of them, and then yeah, some blame does need to go to Marie, I think, and and to Louise as well. Um, it small bit of praise for Burnley. It was decent pressing from them. Mm. They they got better as the game went on, and they targeted certain players in particular. Um, you saw early on they were trying to hit that long ball over Callum Chambers because obviously he hasn't played a lot recently. Mm. Uh, Chambers dealt with it fine and, to be fair, did really, really well with it. But um, they certainly pressured Acker a lot. They pressed Tierney. And you could see they kind of almost were like, David Louise, you can have the ball. We don't really care. But they push up mm. on Marie more than Louise, that kind of thing. So they were, clear, you know, they had a game plan. And I guess from their point of view, it did work because they did get a goal from it. Yeah, and I think during the certainly during the game, I noticed that Thomas Partey was getting bullied more than I'd expect Thomas Partey to be bullied in a football game. Yeah, they were really rough and pretty rough on him. Um, and I think once they've realised, you know, that he was so key to the first goal, they got to get tighter to him. And I felt that when he was in areas where he can be dangerous, they were properly closing him down. And you can see how even in this short period of time he's been with us, what is that? He hasn't even played 20 games for us. No. But how important he's been to us in terms of how we create and we build up the game, he was just completely played out from me. Um, so big shout to Petito100 as well, who's just stuck some uh, dollary dues down your, down your wife fronts, John. Thank you very much. Um, you've probably got more chance with Danny's. They're a bit bigger than mine, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't say if it's coins, but uh, it's just asked the question of uh, why Chambers is playing today. And I think from what we could see, it was the aerial presence, wasn't it? That yeah. We kind of get from there. And we'll talk about Willian as well, mm. I think, because he did have that good start to the game. Um, he played well in our last couple of fixtures. You know, that's his what third assist in three games yeah. for us. And we said that how you define an assist has slightly changed depending on the player that's playing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, how did you feel that he played after that kind of goal? Um, Xhaka for me reverted back to, it was almost like the fans were back in because when when we had the fans in the stadium, if Xhaka made either you know a backwards pass or made a mistake or anything, they'd get on his back. And it's not just him. They Fans of every club do it to certain players. Um and it almost got in his head. He seemed a bit rattled. He still played some really nice passes, but the mistakes started to appear in his game again. And I think that, you know, that error obviously got to him because he's been in such a good run of form. And it's not like um, the Leicester game where he sort of gave it away, where he tried to play the short pass to Willian and he could have gone long because there was build up into that goal and the other thing should have happened. So it wasn't all directly his fault. Whereas this one, if you're a footballer and you kick the ball at a striker in the six yard box, you go, you don't look at anyone else. You're immediately going to blame yourself. And we know that Jacker is like that as well. He will instantly front up, take all the blame and say, look, this is my fault. This is why we conceded this goal or the team lost today or that sort of thing. And he takes a lot of that pressure on himself. And I think today it just, yeah, it just killed him in his confidence. Um, I think even in the, in the Leicester game, when he did his post-match interview, he said straight away, he said, well, the goal they scored was my fault. He wasn't, you know, he didn't say about Elneny or Marie or whoever it well else was on the pitch, not closing down to Elliman. So that clearly affected him. Um, yeah, just quickly on Petito's thing for for the like we said about Chambers, I think I think it was more to do with the aerial threat. 
and trying to save players like Cedric and Bellerin, who've played a lot of football this season and make sure they're ready for the Europa League because, let's be honest, it's all Europa League this season and nothing else. Um, Willian, like I said at the start, I think it's more just a case of the opposition you're playing. If we're playing a more expansive team who are playing open football and push high at the pitch, you're probably more likely to see a Pepe start or a Martinelli or someone. Um, and Willian isn't going to get into uh, in the team. Um, but yeah, after that Xhaka goal, the, the actual game itself was kind of dreadful. Mm. I mean, from both teams, there was really just nothing. And it was more about the incidents that went on in the game, uh, in particular in the second half. Yeah, I suppose we go into the second half as well. And we have about a 20-minute spell afterwards where Burnley kind of come back into the game. It's like they've they've grouped together at half-time. Shandai's just like, right, go back out. And they've come out with a game plan. And it looks like almost what we've got in our dressing room is Arteta said, you know what, we should be 2 or 3 nil up. We're not going to change anything here. Keep doing what you're doing. And the problem is Burnley have completely adapted to that now. And they go out and they completely stifle us. We can't create anything for, what's to say, what was it, 20, 30 minutes? At least, yeah. at least until Eric Peters comes on. Yeah. Um, it was, um, I, I thought that, you know, Xhaka has lost some of his momentum that he had up until the goal. Uh, part I started to look very tired. Uh, I thought it was really noticeable in the second half. Um, as you say, he did get bullied a little bit. There were points in the game where he was nice and he's smooth and, take his turn and go past the player, but it wasn't the Thomas part we've seen. Um, I almost kind of want to fast forward to next season and see him have a full preseason and see him be, you know, fit, fully fit for a, a whole season. But we couldn't get control of the ball. We couldn't keep it for more than five minutes. Um, Burnley were defending really well, pressing well. They had a lot more energy than us, which is weird considering because they played midweek, didn't they? Um, and obviously we had the whole week off. But, I think the the one issue I have with Arteta today was probably just one of his substitutions. Um, some of them could have come earlier, maybe. But other than that, there was one sub in particular that I didn't like. Uh, the players that came on, I didn't have an issue with. Mm. But it was, for me, losing Martin Odegaard was the one co- confusing sort of decision for me. I'm not sure you you can't really do the game in order because nothing really Mm. happened in the second half other than the sort of the important VAR points and stuff. But the the three subs he made today, if anyone didn't get to see the game, um, Partey came off, Odegaard and Willian. No problem with any of those subs. Um, It's set for Odegaard. I actually thought Bakayo Saka probably should have come off today. Mm. Rather than Odegaard. I agree. He... And it's not just because he had a yellow card. Mm. I think certainly if anybody was unfortunate enough to listen to Steve McManaman's commentary, that that was the like main reason that they kind of saw of why Saka should be Mm. taken off. But I think there was more to his performance as well. Odegaard was finding that space, you know, playing those killer passes. And he did look like if anybody was going to score from our front, from that kind of, three players behind Aubameyang, it was going to be him in the second half. Yeah. And, and I, think, I, I understand why you wouldn't take Saka off because this season he's been such a big player for us. Yeah. And when we've looked totally out of games, he's come up with something absolutely magic. It's, you know, um, so I do get it. It's kind of the argument of why you would never take off like an Aubameyang because mm. he could play poorly, but you give him one chance and he'll get a goal. Um Saka for me today, although he was bright in the first half, I don't think he was involved in the game enough. Burnley marked him quite well. It wasn't even as if they were sort of like uh, putting two men on him and fouling him a lot like we've seen in other games. Mm. If anything, if that happened today, you kind of think Saka's going to rise above it and it, it gives him more of a point to prove. But he just looked a little bit leggy today, a little bit tired. Um, and I don't think, again, this is no abuse to... Bakayo Saka, if he hadn't played this season, we could probably very well be in the relegation zone. Um, and he's just a kid, so he needs he needs a rest, that's for sure. Um, but I just thought Odegaard today was pressing better than anyone else, looked mm. frustrated with some of the rest of the players that they weren't getting up with him to press at times. Um, and every time he got on the ball, he looked like something could happen. 
but the movement around him either wasn't quite good enough or Burnley, you know, again, credit to Burnley, they did defend very well. It's what they're known for. Um, me and Tarkovsky, I thought, put in some really good blocks today and blocked a lot of the crosses. But those players that we've kind of relied on this season to drag us through games, uh, Saka and Tierney, I thought in particular today, those two, looked like they weren't running on a full tank. They both looked a bit tired. Um, yeah, I think so I just, I, I just think the, the, the subs they made, like bringing on Lacazette, fine. We needed a goal. You bring on another man who's been in good form and he's been scoring. Pepe as well, yep. Uh, we're chasing a little bit. Willian coming off, don't have a problem with that. And Tobias for Partey made sense as well because Partey looked tired and he clearly isn't fully fit yet. And I don't think he has been at any point in the season. So I don't have an issue with any of the subs. It was just the removal of Erdegaard today I thought was the one questionable decision. Yeah, I think there's something to kind of say about it's not just necessarily tiredness in the legs as well. Saka looked like he was out of ideas at some point. I think Tierney, it's very quick for Tierney to look like he's run out of ideas because he's very much a, I don't want to say a one-trick pony because that does sound rather harsh on possibly one of our best fullbacks this season. But he is very much hit the byline, smash across in, hope someone's there. Yeah. and I think one of the criticisms I'd, I'd have of Arteta is he seems very, very reluctant to play three left-footed players behind the striker. Yeah. Because I can't see any other reason that he didn't start this game with Saka, Odegaard and Pepe based on current yeah. form. Yeah. I would have thought those guys would come in unless there's a tactical reason he doesn't want those three left-footed players there. Because even when we yeah. saw Pepe, because I think it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, Lacazette comes on for Odegaard yeah. and Willian comes off for Pepe and I don't know why there isn't that kind of straight swap of Willian off let's bring Pepe on yeah. because as you say for all of those reasons <clears throat> Odegaard looks like they, he had something in him yeah. he's going to do something I understand keeping Saka on because he's so tactically diverse and yeah is that question of why why Willian yeah. kind of stayed on for that long yeah, I mean, it was it was five, six minutes between the two subs, but it's one of those ones where you can go, all right, we can make two subs now. And even if he decides to stick with the Odegaard sub decision, there, there's no issue with bringing Pepe on and you can just go, okay, well, we're sort of going to play with almost two up, but Lacazette will be the deeper of the two. Pepe and Saka can interchange from left and right. There's no problem with either of them playing either side. Um, I just thought, what if he'd left Odegaard on, then you could have gone, right, Pepe comes on uh, on the right-hand side, Saka comes off instead of Erdegaard, um, and you can put a Bamiang on the left and um, and Lacazette up top. And we've yeah. seen that work you know, th- this think, season. I think that's the other thing to add to it, is that when Lacazette comes on for Odegaard, it is a like-for-like swap positionally. Yeah, yeah. And that seemed odd to me that, again, we did see earlier in the season, Lacazette kind of try and play in that number 10. And it just didn't seem to work for me. No. Um, immediately, I think probably 98% of our fan base, apart from the two weird people that thought otherwise, <laughs> would have would have thought that you know Odegaard comes off, Willian goes into the centre, or Saka goes yeah. into the centre, and Abamyang drops into that left wing position. That's that's what my immediate thought was, oh, okay, Abamyang's going left and, and Willian's yeah. going to drop into the centre and, and lacks it up top. But yeah, really weird decision. Um, I guess, you know, the sub that had the most impact was Nicolas Pepe. So we'll talk about him. Um, Oh, I really, it's so confusing trying to talk about a player who I have no idea what he's going to do when he's on the pitch. And I'm not sure he does either. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, it's, it's like... It's like watching Sonogo at times because I'm just like, I don't know what he's going to do. He's clear, and this is no disrespect to yeah. Pepe, he's clearly a much better football than, <laughs> footballer than Yaya Sonogo, obviously. But he is kind of chaos in a, in a human mm. being. And he caused them loads of problems and it was great. And I was really, really pleased with that. But you get the other side of it. So we'll, should we do his miss and then we'll get onto the VAR stuff? Again, this is not all in oh, order. Uh, I was going to say, which miss? <laughs> well, it's missed. well, I mean, I, think I, mean, I know which one I mean. The one that yeah. from almost exactly the same spot that Granite Xhaka pings mm. the ball from uh, into uh, Chris Wood, 
I, yeah, uh, Tierney running down the wing. I think some good work. I think it's with Saka uh, on that side. Yeah, interchange. Is, yeah. He gets in behind. Tierney cuts it back, flashing across like the face of goal. Uh, Pepe's there, ready, jogging on the spot, smashes it. Um, yeah, and it, oh, goes to smash it and misses it. I, d- I don't understand how you can be that technically proficient with the ball, skillful, talented, like some of the things he does with the football is just magic to watch and then just completely miss the ball. You know, it's, I mean, the the ball, again, for anyone who didn't see it, the ball comes across and it's, it's between the six yard box and the penalty spot. It's that close. He's literally any contact on the ball. It's a goal. It's going in. The, the only way it's not going to be a goal is if, you know, he manages to smash it into uh, Pope in goal. Um, it, it's just an easy goal. And honestly, I just think the way the game had gone up to that point, because Burnley had come back into it, if we got that goal, I just think they just crumble at that point just because the way the season's gone and everything else, it's um, it, it's really bizarre. But it's that's the frustration I have with Pepe. He does all these amazing things and really good work. And other than, if he didn't have that blemish on the game, I'd be like, I would have given him man of the match because he was excellent when he came on. Um, should we should we try and decipher the the varnus? Yeah, let's go with the first of three handballs against Eric Peters. <laughs> uh, so Pepe's breaking down the wing, and I think he uh, what does he go? He goes for trying to place a cross in. Hits Peters and it bounces up and hits Peters' hand. Yeah. A little cry for handball. Pepe then kind of picks the ball up again, almost immediately off that deflection, and goes to play another cross in. And Peters is there with his arm up and it hits his arm. That's a handball, isn't it? That's right. I, I, I haven't, so I haven't bothered to get the rules up because I used to do this, get like the official ruling and stuff because it's so fucking confusing now that I can't even be bothered. And what's even worse is that you get news that, oh, the IFAB, uh, the International Football Association body, are going to review the way handballs are given. And they basically say that they're going to change the rule, but they didn't announce when it's going to happen straight away. So people go, oh, it's changed this weekend. It hasn't. It's not until (laughs) next season. Um, So in this one role of play, you get two possible handballs. I think the first one is not, for me, it's not a handball because... Pepe plays the ball, it hits Peter's body and off his body onto his arm. I don't think that's a handball. Um, if if that's in the rules and that is a handball and should be a penalty, I have no idea because I really, I don't get it. Um, but for me, that shouldn't be a penalty. It shouldn't be a handball or booking or anything else. It's ridiculous. The second one, now I know by the rules, the second one is definitely a handball and should be a penalty. <laughs> My my gut feeling as someone who has played football, not to the level they're at, is as a defender, when you're trying to block someone who's really tricky, you do put your arms out. Now, it's not like his arms are above his head or anything. They're out the level and he's just trying to keep his balance because Pepe can go either way. It's very difficult. But that's a handball and it's a penalty. It, it, it's It's got to be given by the rules. Personally, I don't actually think that should be in the rules. I think it's more case by case and I would be pissed off if the rules were different and it was given against us. But by the rules and everything that's happened, especially in the last week, that is a handball nailed on penalty all day long. Not, I would have no issue with that if it's given. Um, the ball, the you know, play continues on for a long, long time. Ball doesn't go out of play for a long time. So the whole time I'm watching this, I'm just like, okay, it's going to roll back, roll back. VAR's going to check it. They're talking about it on the commentary. VAR are looking at it right now. He's not going to blow straight away, wait until the ball goes out of play, and then they'll award the penalty. VAR check, VAR check complete, no penalty. I d- how is that not a penalty? Like, I really, I feel like part of me feels sorry for referees because it's a horrible job. I've refereed like three Sunday league games, and you can imagine what Sunday league football is like. If if you don't, uh, if you're not from the UK, Sunday league football is basically completely amateur. It's like 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Everyone's hungover. Some people are still drunk. Some people are still drinking before the game. It's normally blokes in their 30s, mostly overweight, probably having a fag at half-time. I know I was one of them. Um, and there's normally a fight. 
quite a few fights and you get paid like 10 pounds to referee these games it's horrific imagine, yeah i was gonna say imagine <laughs> burnley versus stoke on yeah. <laughs> every single pitch played by amateurs yeah. it's basically yeah. that it is it's pretty much that it's horrible <laughs> right so i and i do not like refereeing games it's horrific it's so hard to keep up with play and follow everything um now obviously this is much higher level and it's professional you're a human being you're going to make mistakes sometimes you're not going to see things during games as well you, you're gonna you're gonna miss things that's fine i don't have an issue with that that does happen um VAR's brought in to assist the referees and help them if they miss something in a game. Now, I've seen very good uses of VAR, and in this game we did see a good use of VAR, but we also saw the absolute other end of it. VAR's reviewed that and somehow said it's not a penalty. Um, I, I don't get how you can give it just... I can understand the referee missing it. Don't have a problem with that. Like Kevin Friend missed it. He didn't have a great game for me, Kevin Friend, but I don't have a problem with him missing that handball. It's fine. It's really difficult to to see everything. But how VAR can't look at that back and go, well, by the rules of the game, that's now a penalty. Um, I think it was Kevin Friend that was VAR and Mariner was on the pitch, wasn't it? Oh, sorry. That was was the order of them. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm kind of similar with you that there's this kind of talk that comes back through the commentators that they get some information about Mm -hmm. how it's not because of the proximity. Yeah. You you might remember, you know, back when we were football hipsters and we occasionally watched (laughs) the French league that they had that problem about, it was while Pepe was there. You remember for Mm. about half a season where they got the VAR, they got not the VAR, the handball rule so wrong that everyone just kept flicking the ball up to everybody's hand and getting penalties. It looked a little like that. And but I thought that you know that wasn't in the rule book anymore. We'd kind of already thought about it. Yeah. That, so my understanding of the rules, and again, I could be completely wrong. If your arm is in an unnatural position, now unfortunately, the people who decide what is an unnatural position have never played a game of football. But balancing yourself and having your arms out slightly, mm. if, if you're just listening to this, I'm just sat here with my arms out, looking like an idiot. But doing that means your arms are in an unnatural position. Um, so that's a penalty. So again, no problem with the ref missing it. VAR reviews it. They should give it. I'm not saying I agree with the rule or anything else. That's the completely different debate. But if that those are the rules, then it should be given. You know, if if that happens down the other end and David Luiz is standing there and the ball gets flicked up and his arms are out and he's balancing, I'll be like I wouldn't be moaning at David Luiz because I'd be going, oh, for fuck's sake, he's just trying to defend. And, oh, Jesus, please, please, please. But I'd be going, oh, fuck, we've given away a penalty. And the fact it isn't given is bizarre. Then you get the, <laughs> the third penalty decision, which is... So, again, people who didn't see it, um, it's Pepe again. The ball gets fired across. Pepe hits first-time shot. It's, like, very difficult to control the way he cushions it and stuff. It's really, really good, like skillful play, which makes it even more confusing that he missed the sitter earlier. Um, I did see someone on Twitter saying, shouldn't he have just scored? Which I thought was a little bit harsh because <laughs> the ball is like fired in. It's sort of like mm. at waist height and he has to sort of jump mm. and it's very awkward body position to get in. And the fact he gets a good clean connection, he does is great. Uh, Peters runs across, blocks it, and he leans as he blocks. Now, on the replay, at first I was like, oh, penalty, red card, everything. Then I saw the replays like, oh no, it's shoulder. Referee immediately blows, says handball, red card, sends him off. Then you get the VAR review. Again, I don't have a problem with this. Referee seen it at full speed. I thought exactly the same thing. I thought definite penalty. He's lent into the ball. Uh, it's red card. He's denied a goal scoring, you know, opportunity. Fine. No problem. VAR reviews it. They got that one spot on. It wasn't a red. It wasn't a penalty. It hit his shoulder. It was very good defending. Um, so you end up coming out of the game with three possible handballs. Only one is given, which isn't a handball, which is correctly overturned. The other two, only one of them was a handball, but wasn't was deemed too close. So, again, I, I, I don't know what to make of it because I, I come out of this game and it's... It's, like, I don't want to moan about... Well, I do want to moan about the referees and VAR. 
but it's a separate issue for me. We should have won the game regardless, is the point. Like, we had enough chances in the first half that we could have been 2 3 0 up before Xhaka's uh, and Leno's error. Um, and maybe those don't happen if we are two or three goals up. So the the fact is, we should have won the game. We let it slip. We gave away a stupid goal again from individual errors, not because of Arteta or the way we play or anything like that. It's players on the pitch making stupid decisions, individual stupid uh, decisions. And then you have all the VAR stuff, which obviously does affect the outcome of the game, but at the same time should be kind of kept separate because it's not really a true indication of the game because we should have won it before that point anyway. So it should have had no impact. It it, it kind of, that that game really summed up our season, I thought. Mm. In like, it is like a microcosm of our season of we can play well, we don't take our chances, we make a stupid decision and there's some weird referee or bad referee decisions also thrown in there (laughs) that kind of muddy the waters and for some people will paper over cracks of what's actually wrong with the team. Um, And although the referees and everything is an issue, it's a separate issue. Uh, to what's actually going on with us as a team. Yeah, I think, you know how people say, oh, it kind of levels out across the season. Well, I think at the moment we're seven points down based on decisions that haven't gone our way. So if that can flip potentially in the next couple of weeks, you know what? I don't mind if they start flipping and we get that kind of stuff coming back to us in the North London derby. Yeah. But I... (laughs) I can't see it kind of coming back to us. I think these are points that it's frustrating yeah. for us generally, but it also hurts so much that we also shouldn't be putting ourselves into the position where refereeing decisions matter and impact the game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think that's almost like an excuse that it's a point where the club should be fighting that battle for us rather than the fans. Yeah. You know, we should be looking at it as, right, we're not creating enough. But really, yeah. you want somebody off the field, higher up, like Edu, Vinay, this is their job, to be going at the PGML yeah. and just calling them out on it and just going, yeah. look, we know we could have won this game, but you're not helping. Yeah. Not that they should help. They should at least be giving us a level playing field. Yeah. But you can clearly see that we've got those problems. And we can say, you know what, Arteta's tactics might not necessarily have helped us in there. But you know what? We created plenty of chances in that first half. That yeah, Sanchez I mean, he, finished, he can't. Yeah. finished. He can't walk on the pitch and score those goals. You know, no. um, like Partey had. Um, there was a there was a point in the game where Saka, uh, I think, Aubameyang got the ball, turned really well with it, hmm. played the ball in for Saka. He just kept it in, played it into Erdegaard, who made a really really good like smart pass. Hmm. Could have laid it back to Saka, but instead he played it into Partey running onto it and he ended up ballooning it over. You know, the chances like that where I'm not saying he should score, but you've got to work the keeper. It's those differences in the game. It's like the 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 chance where someone puts it over the bar, they should be making the keeper make a save. The one where they make a keeper make a save, we probably should be scoring. Those kind of things. And again, we had enough of those today to win the game yeah. and we didn't do it. And then you get all this bit in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes with VAR and everything else, which is a complete fucking mess. And how there's only four minutes added on for two like huge VAR decisions, all six substitutes made, some players then injured for a while, is really, really strange. Um, I think even in the last minute, we hit the post, didn't we, as well? Yeah, Danny Ceballos hit the post yeah. in the last last minute. And yeah. then, yeah, we don't get the corner because it kind yeah. of crosses over the line on 94th minute, kind of exactly. Yeah. And I think there are certain situations where we're just a bit like, you know what, these are the kind of intangible things that mm. should should go our way. Or at least, I know we've been shit at corners all season, but would I like to have seen us get that corner? Because we can take a corner within 10 seconds and we've definitely yeah, seen, yeah, yeah. as you say, there's yellow cards that are handed out in that time. There was a yeah. red card that was then rescinded there's plenty of through in there and that's without even getting to the potential time wasting. Um, And I think one thing that kind of brings it right back to the level of where refereeing is the problem and people not knowing the rules was as soon as that VAR decision was overturned um, correctly for Eric Peters handball, 
everybody's going, oh, it's a drop ball. But drop balls haven't been a part of the rules for two seasons now. Drop balls were removed from the game. And I think that's the problem when you've got people uh, masquerading as experts, especially on a nationwide television channel uh, in the lights, you know, in the shape of Peter Walton, then that's the kind of stuff that you need to know that drop balls don't exist anymore. You should know that, you know, it's not, you're not there just because you used to be an ex referee. You're meant to be hot on the rules as well. Otherwise we get any old twats sit in that box. If you've read a book, if you've read a book, you can talk about it. But I think that kind of tells us a kind of problems that we've got at the moment. Um, generally in the game but back onto kind of Arsenal yeah we we should have finished the chances I think coming into this game we'd convert we'd scored five goals from our last six shots on target yeah and what we had was it three or four we must have had more than that uh just going back to the stats for how many shots on target we had today we had 15 shots three on target um yeah but the chances we got, you know, we're talking about Saka. That's a shot off target. Yeah. But the one he puts past the post, I think he should be getting that on target. There's there's many, yeah, many think, options we should get there. You know, Aubameyang's one, although it's more difficult, comes to him quickly. I think he should have at least hit the target with that, um, especially the form he's in. Saka should be hitting the target with his, probably scoring. Um, Partey should be hitting the target with the one that's rolled back to him. Uh, you had, um, obviously, Pepe. Did hit the target with one, which was the Peters red card and then rescinded. But the one that he completely air shot and missed, uh, not only should be hit the target, it should be a goal. Um, you know, th- there was enough in the game for us to win it. And if you get two or three goals before the the Xhaka and Leno cock up, then the, the game's dead. Um, I mean, I, I watched a bit of Spurs-Burnley the other week and obviously Spurs scored very early. I know it's Burnley away, it's a bit different. Um but they scored very early. They took their second goal as well. And Burnley at that point just gave up. You know, they, they know when they're beaten. And this is the thing today. We could have done that. Could have been 2-3-0 by half time, And then he could have gone, okay, well, today, you know what? I can give Martinelli minutes. Um, I can I can put Elneny on and give Partey a rest much earlier. I can bring on Rob Holding for David Louise or, you know, whatever you want to do to get some more minutes into certain players' legs and knees them. Um, whereas we ended up having to sort of chase the game and we only come out with it with a point. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that that kind of sums up the game. I haven't seen Arteta's post-match anything he said yet, but for me, I hope that he comes out. And, yeah, I do obviously do want him to talk about the referee decisions and, and VAR and stuff, but I hope that he comes out and makes it clear that I know people get annoyed of it when he says things like we controlled the game and had enough chances, but we did today. We we had enough. There's not much else he could have done as the manager on the sideline today. Um, It was down to the players on the pitch. And to be honest, I don't think, I think Callum Chambers was like fine today, had no issues, really good comeback for him. I thought he looked good, solid. Um, But I thought everyone else was pretty poor. I thought it was probably the worst game I've seen Tierney play. Um, Saka looked not physically but mentally tired I think you got that really spot on to be fair Josh mm. like just sort of running out of ideas David Luiz was kind of wishy-washy Pablo Marie was okay um, Partey looked tired Xhaka was really good up until his error um, William was okay today didn't have a problem with him thought he was you know pressed and passed and made the good runs and stuff and obviously helped in the build up for the goal Um and I'm not going to give a huge amount of stick to Aubameyang today because in the second half, I think he had like three touches or something. They just didn't get the ball to him. Um, and I thought first half he was excellent. So, yeah, um, just disappointing. Pepe was really good when he came on, but missed a really easy chance. Um, Sabias was fine. He's kind of much of a muchness to me. I thought Lacazette was a little bit disappointing when he came on, didn't really show enough. But yeah, just no one really turned up today for me. Um, so it's it's for me it's the players on the pitch that, that cocked it up today and not the manager yeah and I think we've got uh, just going through because Arteta's mm. currently doing his press conference at the moment uh, I've just yeah. been sniping some of the comments out of uh, the very good Football London's uh, coverage 
at the moment I've got from them. Um, and yeah, Arteta are on Arsenal chances. Well, we have to be more ruthless because there are open situations that we created, 1v1 situations, cutbacks in, on the six-yard box. We hit the bar, we hit the posts, we had a shot blocked when the keeper was beaten, and it is what it is. I think then just generally on the result, he's got I'm disappointed with the result. But the reality is when you come here, which is a tough place to play, and you generate the chances that we created, don't score enough, give a goal to the opponent, and then don't get the decisions that should uh, that you should get, it becomes difficult to win a game in the league. I think for me, he has a point with that latter half. And I think there's only so much coaches can say or managers are allowed to say yeah, before, without, you know, that yeah. without getting fined and... It's like the famous Mourinho yeah. one, if I talk, I'm in trouble sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. You, can, you can only go so far with your comments. Mm. Um, yeah, Arteta needs the people above him to 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 make comments mm. or, you know, that sort of thing. But it's also, it's not just them, it's on uh, journalists and pundits and stuff. And to be fair, I think this season they have been uh, talking about referees and the decisions and stuff. And I'm sure later on Match of the Day or, you know, whatever country you're in where you'll get your yeah. sort of football roundup coverage. Yeah. It'll be something that's highlighted. Certainly this week, there was a there was a really good tweet today during the game, and I think it was ESPN Football, and it had four images, and it said only one of these was given for handball, and I think there was mm. our one today, there was the Chelsea-Man United game, was it? Um, it might have been, yeah. was it Adoy, I think it was. Mm. Uh, there was the Fulham one, and I can't remember the other game now. It might have been Everton or someone. But there was basically, there was three pitches, and in three of the pitches, each player had his arm out like horizontal to his body and the ball touching him. And then in the Fulham game, the player had his arm like stuck to the side of his body. And the only one was given was the Fulham one. <laughs> so I was just, yeah. And it was just like, what? And I, 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 my flatmate who I live with doesn't watch football. And I showed him the picture and he went, right, one of these is handball. Um, which one do you think it is? And he's looking at him all and he's going, well, it's obviously one of these three. And he's trying to look and he went, I think it's that one because the player's hand is a little bit higher than the other two. And I went, no, it's the one with the arm down by his side. He was like, well, what's he supposed to do? Take his arm off? I don't get it. <laughs> and that's a guy who doesn't even watch football. He doesn't even know the rules. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you can see sort of the direction of things at the moment. But like, it, it's shit and it's frustrating and it's a crap start to the weekend because we should have won it. But um, that game felt very late Arsene Wenger slash Emery era kind of football where we had the chance to win a game, don't do it, Burnley get a either a fluky goal or a dodgy decision or something like that. And then, yeah, some weird ref decisions that sort of cloud the rest of the game. Yeah, I think that's, that's what it felt like. And whilst we're not converting these chances and uh, that we've got, it definitely doesn't feel like we're progressing. I think a lot has happened on the field. I think if we get a lot of wins, um, it certainly doesn't, um, you know, kind of aligns a little bit more with the say underlying metrics. Um, there's a lot going around this week from the Athletic putting stuff out from how well we've played since Christmas. The Arteta has had us, we are conceding less goals. You know, as we said, Burnley only really had one chance that we created or that they created other than ones we created for them. It's Bert Leno smashes it long and then we just never get to the second ball and they get all the way in. And it's a good save from him to kind of rectify his own almost mistake from kicking it long. But we are making those kind of improvements. I just don't think it's as quickly as some of us would desire. I think all of us would desire really. Even Arteta's frustrated by how slowly or how much we'd be able to be kind of either being shot in the foot either by ourselves or by external factors, be it refereeing decisions. I still think back to the Villa game and the Wolves game with how we, you know, it, one of them even led to a rule change yeah, because it was that bad a decision. Yeah. Uh, I just... Yeah, I think it's a bit it's, frustrating. I think there's a very, there's, I mean, we'll jump onto people's questions. We've got a mm. few, but if you've got any more chat, please, please fire away. Um, someone, uh, K-Man1867 said, how do you rate Arteta's season so far? 
Um, for me, I think he's improved us definitely. Uh, defensively, we're much better and more solid. We clearly have game plans laid out, um, and it will change depending on the opposition. Like so in some games, you'll see Xhaka drop back and will sort of almost play a back three, even though we're not set up that way. In other times, he will stay more central in midfield. Um, those sort of things are individual tailored to the opponent. The the way I would address sort of his season, I think he's at times made the wrong substitute decisions. I don't think his lineups have necessarily been wrong in many games. He maybe played Willian too much at the start, I think it's fair to say. He was obviously trying to play him into form. Um, Willian's done better since, so that's nice. That we're actually getting something out of him because there's no point having him at the squad because we're not, we're not going to get rid of him let's be honest, and he's on a lot of money, so you've got to try and get something out of him. Um, but what I would say is, if you had Arteta as the coach and you gave him almost the same squad but improved the quality um, and how you define quality is up to you, whether it's you know by the value of the player or whatever, if you improve the quality of some of the players individually, the difference is that games like today, you don't happen. You win 2-3-0 because they take their chances. Um, I think overall he's doing well when he's improving. I, I, what I don't think people maybe realised is that Arsene Wenger, and I'm guilty of this as well, was doing a lot better than he should have been with the players he had. I'm definitely guilty of this because I look back now and I think, Jesus Christ, how did he get top four with some of those sides um, and papered over a lot of the cracks? And it's maybe going to be a longer process than I anticipated it would be to get us back to the top end of the table. Um, there's a lot more player churn that needs to happen. And also within the club itself as well, there's a lot more um, sort of above Arteta in terms of the contracts and uh, player scouting and that kind of thing that needs to improve. And I think that all rolls into how you rate his season because you can only work with necessarily the tools you've got. Um, but I do think he's a good coach and I think you have to stick with him. I think the people calling someone like Ancelotti and something, it, it, I don't think you're going to get much of a difference in terms of where we'd be in the table and he's not going to have the money that he's got at Everton. So, um, yeah, Um I'm okay with the season it is. I mean, you look at the table and we are what? So we're currently still 10th. Um, we're 12 points off Leicester now, um, which sounds dreadful. But then that's third place. That's 10th to third. There's seven teams and there's 12 points in it, which is nothing. And I think out of our eight of our last games, we're playing six of the bottom eight or something like that, which are all all games we should win. So there are, in theory, easy points in there. But you look at some of the results this season, it's completely nuts. I don't think any team is where they expect to be other than probably City. And Liverpool are maybe the one sort of aberration of they don't expect to be there. Everyone else is just a complete mess this season. Um, fans, yeah. the condensed season, everything. It's just, it's just bizarre. Yeah, I think certainly the most frustrating thing for us... Generally, I think even though at the end of this weekend, we're still going to be 10th. Mm -hmm. I think even if we win the game, we go above Villa, Villa probably get a point from somewhere and go above us again. But I was going to say, we've got all of these teams to play as well. It's not just we've got these bottom sides. I think the thing that's now starting to worry is the fact that we played teams like Burnley. We have played... um, Sorry, we have played Villa already. Mm. We've played Wolves, and these are the kind of games we should be getting three points from, and we're not. Yeah. So even though we've got these bottom sides, we're like, can we actually put them away? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. That that table is yeah. bizarre. Like West Ham, yeah. you would never expect them to be where they are, but it's twenty six games, and they've got forty five points, and they're in sixth place, and they've got a genuine chance of being Champions League. Which just you don't. You don't get to this point, or you never used to anyway, mm. get to this point of the season, be in sixth place and be on that number of points and think, oh, we could get Champions League football. You get to this point of the season, you're on that number of points, you think, whew, we're not getting relegated. Yeah. That, I mean, that that basically was the rule. And it, it's this, it's so much more just condensed and squashed now. So um, look, I, I think we'll end up finishing higher than 10th. Mm. Will we get into the top six, top seven? I don't know. I'm not overly confident. 
Um, I think there's a chance because of the teams that are above us, I think City, United, Leicester, Chelsea are probably going to stay where they are, whether they'll swap positions or not. City obviously won the league. But then even I would say from Everton down to us, all of those teams can drop points anywhere at the moment. Um, so, yeah, but it's it's a chance, but it's going to be difficult. You know, all, all of our eggs are in the Europa League basket. Yeah, I think so. Um, you absolutely know that when we need three points off our, it's our last game of the season away to Brighton, if I remember rightly. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. You know all of Brighton's XG eggs that they haven't been able to hatch this season. They come <laughs> home to roost and... Uh, yeah. They'll probably score five gonna, or something. They'll, <laughs> they'll score they'll, all the goals they were meant to get in XGs. They'll score against yeah. us. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be a mad season. You can see already... Uh, you know, Liverpool are going to try and uh, almost knock themselves out of Europe in a way <laughs> in the league table. So they have a nice run at the title again with just, yeah. you know, it looks like um, one, game, one game a week, nice, one game nice a game. week, four, 45 games in a season. That's it. No yeah. more, no less. And yeah. just go through it. Uh, that's almost what it kind of looks like at the moment to me. Um, um, we, we did have one yeah. other question. Um, yes. And it was kind of on the same thing of, are we improving? Um, again, it's kind of similar about what I said about Arteta's season so far. Mm. I mean, if you look at players individually, a lot of them have improved. Um, Saka, obviously, certainly. Some people might say, oh, it's natural talent and ability. But mm. I think if you look at Saka, similarities between him and, say, someone like Raheem Sterling and how much Arteta influenced Sterling's improvement, I think you can see that with Saka. Mm. I think Lacazette has got better um, since Arteta has been there. Um, Smith Rose obviously come on a lot. Again, it's de- mm. it's natural development, but I do think there is a lot of coaching there. Jack has been a much better, improved player. Um, as much as people give Hector Bellerin stick, I actually think as a footballer he's improved a lot under Mikel mm. Arteta. Um, when he gets asked to play as a traditional fullback, I don't think he does quite as well because defending <laughs> isn't his strong point. But when we play with that system where he sort of comes inside and always plays as a centre mid at times, I think he, his passing and stuff on the ball has been really, really improved. So I, I do think there are big improvements. Um, and I think defensively he's been the big one. And that's that was the big thing that he needed to fix when he came in. And I think for the most part, he has massively improved that. We've got one of the sort of best defensive records, I think, in the league this season. Um, obviously not as good as cities, but then when you can spend, right. you know, 500 million every week, it's probably quite, it's simple to do that. Um, but yeah, just today was just, it's just shit. It feels like we lost, but we didn't. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think we all know, I think we're all acutely aware our problem is that we cannot score and we're not scoring enough you say in terms of how good our defence has been this season you say yeah I think there's now four teams or maybe three teams that have conceded fewer goals than us this season Uh, Villa who has played two games less than us Uh, Spurs who's played played a game less than us and Chelsea who have played the same number of games as us who just about conceded fewer than us and obviously City but they're by far and away they're too good for this league almost. You almost need like another league above us and yeah. City will just play it on their own. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like uh, they're Celtic and we're just any other team in the SPL from the last 10 years. Um, well, I know. I guess they'd be Rangers yeah, now, wouldn't they? <laughs> that's true. They would be Rangers now. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird, yeah. isn't it? Because you, yeah, you look at our defensive record and we, we're a, defensively, we're a top four side. Yeah. But, and I think... Um, I think that, this, that's the thing. It's the scoring goals. It's the other end. It's been the issue. Yeah. I think, as you say, there have been improvements with us. It's just, unfortunately, they're not the improvements that necessarily matter in winning games. Yeah. You, know, you could talk about how we've seen you know, other managers. Go back to like Brendan Rogers, how he kind of built that Liverpool side. They can see three or four a game, but they'd score mm. six or seven. Yeah. And I think, Emery, I've, you can kind of laugh at it now in hindsight. Emery promised that he'd like to, you know, win games. He'd prefer to win a game 5-4 than 1-0. Yeah. And uh, I think it turned out what he actually liked to do was draw 0-0. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think there have been those kind of improvements 
with the players, but was they're all they're all so the marginal that sometimes yeah. they're hard to judge. Exactly, and there's just like Saka's been great, but you know what, Abamyang's dropped off a cliff in terms of the number of yeah. goals he scored this season. Yeah, and that needs to be addressed, I think. Yeah, and then you, you have yeah. to look at squad overall it has been improving you could need to get to the end of the season have another summer window see what we can do in that um there's still a lot of uh change and churn that needs to happen in the team and individual quality within the team that that needs to be improved and you saw you you've seen in flashes this season what a difference thomas party can make Hmm. and that's one player you know and he's in a key position on the pitch it's in the in the spine of the team but you end up adding someone else to that or, or like a t- another two players to that, then all of a sudden it's, oh, okay, now we've got two or three players that can do that. Whereas this season, for the most part, as I said, we've been relying on, you know, Bakaya Saka and, and Kieran Tierney and players like that to drag us through games. And they're not going to be able to do it every single week. It's just not going to happen. No footballer is going to give you 10 out of 10 performance week in, week out, regardless of how good they are or, or how promising their talent is. It's set for, you know, I don't know, maybe like a Lionel Messi and how many players. There's there's literally Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. That's it. There's two that have ever existed. So, <laughs> look, you're not going to get them playing for Arsenal all the time. Yeah. And I think we've got uh, another couple of questions just slid in. Um, one from Arjit Jahi. Uh, he's got maybe an overreaction, but is today's error more evidence to ditch Zach Jacker in the summer? He's been good lately, but always makes errors doesn't put consistent run of games together for more than half a season. I mean, yeah, like you kind of say, there's not many players that put a consistent run of games together for more than half a season. Um, to be honest, sometimes we're, when, yeah. when, when a player makes an error, it's not as disastrous as what Xhaka does. I, I think the difference is that you need, again, we need a centre mid to partner Thomas Partey. I don't have a problem with keeping Xhaka and keeping him as a squad player. I think he's fine. Um, even in games where maybe we play free in centre midfield and we play a more sort of four three three and don't play with a ten, I, I don't have an issue with that at all. Mm. But again, it's it's constantly improving it because at the moment Thomas Partey is clearly our best centre midfielder, and then mm. after that it is Xhaka. and then mm. after that it falls off a little bit and you get Sabaya. So it's it's about improving individual quality within the squad constantly in in different areas of the pitch, so that Granite Xhaka, who at the moment has to be a starter every week. Is either sold or bumped down a pig, um, yeah. and someone takes I his think, spot. I think for me, that's the huge reminder to a lot of the fan base that Jacker's performance today kind of reminded everybody that we still need to work on that midfield, and we yeah. can't be doing things like, "Oh, you know what? We need a new fullback. Let's go and spend fifty million on a new right back." No, yeah. we need those funds in the midfield at the moment, and it is acutely clear that not only does and it does seem like a why always me with Granite Xhaka. Mm. But why is he always the one that manages to give away that catastrophic error whilst also well, giving, yeah, whilst I mean, putting in an eight out of 10 performance? Yeah, it's partly down to the position he plays on the pitch. Mm. It's the same as if you're a goalkeeper mm. or you're a centre-back. If you make an error, it's going to be a goal. And Xhaka's normally yeah. our deepest midfielder. Um, and he likes to come and get the ball and it's what he's told to do. And they've been told to play a certain way. But there are times when you just have to fucking old school it up and under you know boot it up the pitch um so yeah it's about just improving individual players um so if you could sell jacker and get good money for him and i think the difference is you'd have to bring in someone who one is better than jacker but you'd also have to have another center mid so you'd have to buy two players to replace him essentially if you did if you did sell him um and that is as much as people rag on Jacka, it's not as easy as you think. Um, there's yeah. a reason. There's a reason Arsene Wenger, Emery, Jungberg, and Arteta all picked Jacka when they were coaches at the yeah. club. And it might be just because the fact that he is the best centre back at the, oh, it's not centre back, centre midfielder mm. at the club. Now that's yeah. not me saying that he's a good central midfielder. Mm. You know, that's just that there's levels right now that he yeah. is the best one we've got in central midfield for the position yeah. that he plays. And there are players out there that we can get, and that should be our goal in the summer. Much like getting Thomas Partey was our goal. Again, we need mm. to improve that midfield, and we've certainly got assets out 
uh, out on loan in places where I think will give us enough money to get through yeah and get another one of those players so someone like you know we've got Gwen Doozy. we know he's not coming back mm. we can sell him we'll turn a profit on him we might not get what we want for it but it's a good baseline 20 million pounds in yeah so Lucas our asking Torea. prices though Torea yeah. again another one probably 10-15 there's there's Niles Willock who, and Ketia are all players who are yeah. probably likely to leave Willock might be one who comes mm. back maybe if you can't get every midfielder you want because he is versatile but they're all players who you can get money for and again you don't have to go and spend 50 million to necessarily improve on what we have in midfield you might be able to pick up a player for 20 million who's just better than what you've already got but again if you're doing that then it might be a player who's a bit younger and he's not going to have the, necessarily the right level of experience so you're still going to get mistakes from that player but not maybe to the same level that Jacker does um, yeah but it's yeah, it's about improving the spine and and trying to improve on what you've already got. But yeah, is we'll we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, oh, should we um right. should we wrap it up for the I day? I think we shall. Um, we've got, got a question. Of Je- yeah, we've got a question from Jeffrey O'Hara, and I think Jeffrey, you can send that one to the pod. Um, yeah, just slide into our DMs, send that one there, or make the nails because I think that's a great one to cover. On a yeah, podcast. Yeah, actually, that is a good one. I have just seen that. That's a good one for actually on the podcast proper. Yeah. Um, please, please tweet the podcast account with that one. Which I can't remember who is on the podcast this week. Danny was getting angry when he was asking who was available. Um, I stopped listening after Danny gets angry. Well, I'm um, going to let you wrap up and I'm going to pretend that I'm yeah. paying attention. Well, I look. in that case, I'm going to say thank you to John for joining. Uh, Always, yes. always a pleasure. Um, I believe, Josh, in fact, you're on the podcast this week, um, along with okay. a certain Chris Carpenter and possibly one other. Excellent. So there you go. Turns out I do know who's on the podcast. It's me. <laughs> it's, <you. laughs> uh, it's me and I've forgotten. Uh, yeah. And uh, thank you for everybody who listens. Obviously, if you do like what we do or you don't like what we do, give us a like, subscribe. I mean, just subscribe to us anyway. And if you don't like us, turn notifications off. If you do like us, turn notifications on. That's what I'd do. You know, just give us a little bit of love. And if not, it's fine. I'm over it. You can you can hit the thumbs down button as well. That's allowed. Oh, That's also- honestly, yeah. I'm in it for the thumbs downs. If we can get yeah. to 100 thumbs downs, I'll be fine. It, it's as good as a thumbs up for me. And yeah, as John said, I think it's myself, Danny, and Chris on the podcast this week. There's probably a another, probably a wild card that will uh, appear at some point. I'm not it'd be sure cool if it was Callum Chambers. That'd be amazing. Oh, it'd be great if it's Callum Chambers. The problem is, Chris are, we, are, we allowed to lie? are we allowed to lie and say it's Callum Chambers on Tuesday to get people excited so they'll listen? Um, not have him turn up. We could just get a guy called Callum Chambers. Oh, that's true. It doesn't yeah. have to be yeah. the Callum Chambers. We've got yeah, a. Callum, we've got a. We've got a. We've got a Thierry Henry and a Dennis Burkamp, who will both be coming onto the podcast. Yeah, also a guy called Arsene Wenger. Um, yeah, he's also going to be there. Join in. It'll be great. Um, and for now, i just got to turn this off because I realise I've got to do everything today. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>